Second Chronicles, I want to begin there. Um, the Lord appeared to Solomon, I'm beginning in verse 12. We use this so much, you hear me quote it so much, uh, but yet it's still going to be our anchor, our text for tonight. The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Has the Lord ever appeared to you, or maybe not appeared to you, but just confirmed to you, I have heard your prayer? I've had that happen. I've had that happen um, many years ago. I mean, many years ago. I don't even think, well, I know. Don and I were assisting Uncle Elaine Burnell. We weren't even pastor then. And we were in a very severe economic downturn time here in central Louisiana. And we were just barely making it. Church is barely making it. We were all barely making it. And our backs were to the wall. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I was sitting in my rocking chair. And as I was, and it was well after midnight probably, uh, or maybe just prior to midnight, I'm rocking and I'm praying. And all of a sudden, and it's so hard to explain this, but it's almost as if everything that Don and I needed was in the bank, all the bills were paid, and that was the feeling that I had that there were no problems. The reality was the money wasn't in the bank and all the bills were not paid. So I'm still struggling with the reality, but yet at the same time there was... It was just, it was overwhelming. It just come over me. And I knew. In fact, I, I, I went into the bedroom where she was. She was already gone to bed and, and she was asleep. And I woke her up. I sat down on the edge of the bed and I said, I don't know when and I don't know how. I said, but I just received a confirmation from the Lord. Everything's going to be all right. And, and I tried to explain it to her. And she grunted a couple of times and went back to sleep and and uh, no, I mean, we both thank the Lord. We both just thank the Lord because I knew he had heard our prayer. Regardless of what happened, he had heard our prayer. Regardless of how things worked out, I knew we were going to be okay. And you could not have changed my mind on that for any, anything in the world. And the Lord proved himself faithful. And I'm so grateful for that. So whenever he said, to Solomon, I have heard thy prayer. Boy, what a consolation. When you know he has heard your prayer. And he says, have chosen this place to myself or an house of sacrifice. Here's what I'd like for you to do this week. Go back and read the chapters prior to 2 Chronicles 7, which is where we're reading from tonight. I think chapter 6 is the entire prayer. Of Solomon as he is asking God you know and what they were doing is dedicating the temple but he was asking for God's favor he was asking for God to bless the bless the children of Israel and all of these things so that's why the Lord started this verse with I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice 
Then the Lord goes on and he says, if I shut up heaven. Now understand the Lord said, if I shut up heaven. He didn't say if the devil came along and did it. No, he said, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. You might say, well, Brother Bruce, why would he do that? Sometimes he does that to get our attention. Now understand this, God doesn't always send trouble to get your attention. Or the trouble that, you, that comes in your life doesn't mean God sent it. Brother Randy and I were having this conversation this past week and something was said about his cancer. I said, I, I, said, I absolutely, and I was agreeing with him that God didn't send the cancer to him. That was not, but God allowed it. God allowed it for a purpose. He allowed it to draw Randy closer to him, to reveal things about himself to Randy. And I mean, Randy's insight into the word of God and his relationship with the Lord is, is light years beyond where he was prior, prior to, to his episode with cancer. And sometimes you ought to just sit down and talk to him, and you'll, and you'll, you'll hear that in, in the conversation. But God doesn't always send trouble to get you where you need to be. Sometimes we send us trouble just because we made bad decisions and so on and so forth. But in this case tonight, the Lord is saying to Solomon, if I do these things, then he says, verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. That was the, that was the key. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face, which is all part of prayer. Then he says, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so often, and you could say it as well as I can say it because you've heard me say it so much, the dirt wasn't sick. Healing the land is revival. Folks, I do believe and I will not give up on the United States of America. Now, I will say this, and I said it in my message Sunday, that was not the thrust of the message, but the Democrats are not going to fix it and the Republicans are not going to fix what's going on. No political party or political entity is going to fix the ills of, of this nation or the ills of the world. We have now moved into a time where if my people, that's the only thing that is going to change anything. Now, they can come up with stimulus packages and they can come up with, with, I mean, some of the things that are, you know, are just crazy. I mean, you can't even go into a restaurant in New Orleans now without your proof of being vaccinated. If you're five years old or up in Louisiana, in New Orleans, five years old and up, you must be vaccinated or you cannot eat indoors in a restaurant in New Orleans. I, I, I believe that it's going to implode on them. I don't believe that I believe you're going to find restaurants shutting their doors.
because they can't survive. As Americans, we don't do well when somebody says, you have to do this. And it's just part of our freedom nature. So what I'm saying, and without being political in all of this tonight, is the ills that are facing us, nobody's going to fix them. No governor, no mayor, no president. Nobody's going to fix it. It's if my people. If anything gets fixed, listen to me, if anything gets fixed, the church will fix it. Do you understand what I mean when I say the church will fix it? The church actually won't fix it. It'll just be responsible for praying the prayer that fixes it. Verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open. This is the Lord still speaking to Solomon. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Now I'm going to tell you something that you may find a little strange. I've done it here and I've done it at home. But that temple lies just about in this direction. I have stood at this altar, different places in this church. I have turned and looked in that direction, and I have prayed. Because if you go on and you read in here, he says, when they turn, no matter where they may be, if they're in captivity, wherever they are, if they will turn and face where this temple is, I will hear them. And there's been times that I have brought needs before the Lord here in this church and from home. I have looked in that direction. You say, well, Brother Bruce, now that's Old Testament. It might be Old Testament. But as far as I'm concerned, if it worked then, it's the same God. It's the same. I'm still honoring what he said to Solomon. Okay? I'm still honoring that. And I believe God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now, those of you that's got smartphones, you... You don't have to get your compass out and start checking me to make sure I'm about right. But it's about right in there is about where it is. So the first question I want to ask is, what is prayer? It is dialogue, or if you will, it is conversation. The word is conversation with God. And I don't, I I know I'm repeating myself from Bible studies before about prayer, but I think one of the biggest mistakes we ever make with prayer is coming in and praying like we're trying to peel the paint off the wall and, you know, crying, squalling, praying to the top of our voice. I mean, that's the way I was raised. I was raised in those type of prayer meetings. And they get through and get up and leave. I've just often visualized the Lord saying, oh, wait, wait, I I heard you, but I have something I'd like to tell you. And you say, well, Brother Bruce, how, how can I, how can he tell me? Don and I were here 
Monday, I guess it was, and we were praying. And she was right over there, and she finished praying. She scooted over by the window, and she picked up her Bible. And she started reading. Most of the time, the Lord will speak to you from here instead of in a still, small voice. Or you will find something in here that confirms what you have been hearing in a still, small voice. Okay? That's the way. Don't just, don't just dive in and just pray, 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 and then get up and leave. Pray and then spend time. Let him, if he has something he wants to say, he will say it. Now, you won't hear an audible voice. In most cases, you won't. I've never, I've never heard God speak audibly to me. I've heard, it, I've heard it so clearly and emphatically that it could have almost been audibly. But I've never heard him speak audibly, so I don't know what his voice actually sounds like. But I know when he does speak to me. It's conversation. Prayer is conversation. If it's one-sided, it's called a monologue, which means the other side doesn't get a chance to say anything. And the Lord is truly interested in talking back to you and me. He really is. You take the words pray, prayer, or praying, or some version thereof, it's mentioned 420 in 423 verses in the Bible. I think prayer was pretty important for it to be mentioned 423 times in the King James Bible. Um, our scripture text, God is making, if you listen to the tone of it, God's making a covenant with, the, with King Solomon and the children of Israel. Our God, Israel's God, is a covenant-keeping God. I've heard dear precious saints of God that are gone on to be with the Lord. I've heard them stand in this very auditorium, and y'all, many of you have heard them as well, saying, the Lord has spoken to me, my children will be saved. Some of you sitting here are the children that were saved. Okay? They didn't even see their children saved, but... They had a word from the Lord. He gave them a covenant that he was going to save their, his, those children. And he is a covenant-keeping God. But what is a covenant? A covenant is a bond, it's a guarantee, it's a pledge. From God's perspective, it cannot be broken. Now, you and I may break the covenant, but he's not going to break it. He's going to hold faithful to it. A covenant can be a word covenant, such as him giving you a word. There's blood covenants. Um, there's many ways that you can, you can, if you go buy a house, you have a covenant with the lending institution. Scott, they buy a car. They, they got a covenant with the lending institute. It's what he does, by the way, at Honda. So that's the guy you need to go see. Uh, just a little plug. Didn't cost you anything tonight. So. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it's, it, that's what we do. It's a covenant. 
The Lord pledges if Israel will make him Lord, he will always be attentive to their cry and will deliver them. And then I, I go back to my message on Sunday, and I'm not going to re-preach it, but those scriptures in, in the Word of God, folks, they are true. And if he said he will, he will. He will. It's just you, it, it, it's, you and I cannot vacillate back and forth between he will and I wonder if he will. I, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes we've got it in our mind that he will, but he's going to do it this way. He doesn't always do it the way you want it done. He's going to do it the way it needs to be done because he is in my tomorrow just like he is in my today and he was in my yesterday all at the same time because he's not time-locked. He knows the future for you and me and for this church. He knows all of that. So he's going to do what is best for you when he answers. I've lived long enough to know that answer prayer comes from a heart of faith and humility. I trust you, Lord. I trust you to do what is best. Persistence and tenacity in prayer will bring results. In other words, not giving up. I'm afraid sometimes that, and, and let, me, let me say this, God is not waiting for us to beg him. Whenever I make a statement like persistence and tenacity in prayer will bring results, God's not waiting for us to beg. I was sitting in my office a while ago and I was thinking about this particular bullet point and I was afraid I might forget it and I should have written down, but thank God it's here. He, he's not waiting for us to beg him. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for us to challenge him. He said, challenge him? Yeah, didn't he say something about try me? Try me and see. So, the, so persistence and tenacity in prayer has nothing to do, oh, God just wants me to beg. No, he's not. No, he, 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 wants, he wants to know how bad do you need this? How bad do you need him to come through on your behalf? Is he the last resort for you? And if he is... He says, challenge me. Now, what does that mean? That means once I've challenged him with it, I take my hands off of it and I back up. And I let him do it. James 5. I love this chapter. Well, I love this book, really, book of James. But he says this, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now see, it doesn't say the pastor. It just says for the elders of the church. The elders can be your brothers and sisters in the Lord. People that you that you have intimate conversation with here in our church, all of a sudden your back's against the wall, pick the phone up. You don't, they don't need details. They don't need details at all. All they need to know is my back's against the wall. I need you to hold me up in prayer. Okay? 
Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And I, and I know I'm, ta- I'm and I, I may not even get through tonight. I know because, man, there's so many thoughts hitting my, hitting my brain as I'm reading through this. I'll never forget, I think it was Aunt Bernal Knuckle Leland's 25th pastoral anniversary, maybe, maybe the 30th, I don't remember. I come down with the flu. And we had a two o'clock service on that Sunday. And I was running fever of 101, 102, and I was sick. I was to emcee the thing. I, was, I think Brother Tenney was going to be here to preach. We had food and all, you know, it was going to be a big celebration. And I come down with the flu. And I'd had the flu for probably, I'd gotten sick probably Thursday or Friday with it. Just knew that come Sunday I was going to be better. And Sunday morning I had like 102 fever. Or it might have even been higher than that, I don't know. But I told Donna, I said, call Brother David Sanders. David and I have just always had a connection when it comes to prayer. David and I always have even before I was in the ministry. Um, David called Brother John, and him and Brother John, I don't know if you remember it or not, but they come over to the house. And it was probably about 10, 10.30 that morning. They laid hands on me, anointed me with oil, and prayed in the name of Jesus, and I immediately broke into a sweat. I was supposed to have my hair cut that week. Back then I had my hair, I had a thick head of hair like Keith's got. Wasn't as thin as it is now. And it was long. So whenever you start sweating, my hair would curl. So I had the neatest little curls in the back. Not quite as curly as Chris's, but it was still, it would curl. Uh, But anyhow, I sweated the fever off. And by 12 o'clock, I was getting ready to come. And at 2 o'clock, I was here. I was feeling fine. And we put the service on. We gave them a wonderful anniversary service. Brother Tenney preached. We had food, a reception in the back, had a great time. And when we walked in the house, my fever went back up. I crawled back in bed. <laughs> and so, you know, why he didn't take, but he gave me what I needed. He gave me what I needed. Maybe I needed rest too. That might have been part of it, but he gave me what I needed. And he knew I needed to be here. Uh, okay, I, that was let, let them pray over him, anointing with all in the name of the Lord. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith. Now listen to this, shall save the sick. Save. The sick was praying for healing. But he says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. (laughs) The Lord's going to take care of the spiritual part before he takes care of the physical part. Always will. He says, confess your faults one to another and 
pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Among God's people, the biggest blocks to our prayers being answered is, and I, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here. We don't expect it to really happen. That's probably number one. I feel obligated to pray about it, and, and then if it happens, then, oh, great, God did something. But if God doesn't do anything, I don't want to be disappointed. So in some ways, we, we, don't, we don't expect it because we don't want to be disappointed. Probably another reason, and, and, and y'all, this is something you've got to consider, especially for those to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Carnality can, can, can hinder your prayers. Sin in your life can hinder your prayers, especially when you know better. That's what, it, it, our God is not a genie in a bottle. He has rules. We have to live by them. And, and, and they're rules, but they're rules in our best interest. They're for our, there to protect us, to keep us, to keep us well, to keep us healthy, to keep us on the straight and narrow. But our own carnality gets in the way of him answering the prayer. Sometimes we pray about things, but yet, since we're there praying, we'll go ahead and pray about them, and it's not really important to us if he answers or not because we know that we've got other options. As long as you've got other options, deal with them. Because unless we submit it and surrender it, and I don't want to say this as being 100% true in every situation, but unless we surrender it and submit it to him, totally, he's not going to answer. Our God does not share the glory. He doesn't, share, um, he doesn't share the praise. He doesn't share the credit, if you will. Understand, this is his space. It's his universe. It's his world. We are his people. It all belongs to him. And he's not going to share it with anybody. And so as long as I've got other options, exercise your options. But if you really want it done and done right, pray the prayer, God, you know what's best. And I submit this thing to you. And I'm going to wait upon you to see what you will do. Lack of persistence is another, uh, is another and we've already talked about that. Situations cannot dictate to us our faith. You understand what I mean by that? Situations cannot dictate to us our faith. I, I, for some, when their back is to, to the wall is when they have the greatest faith. For some, when their back is against the wall is when their faith is, is most threatened. It's, it just depends on the individual. For some, when they're on a mountaintop and everything's going good, they've got great faith. 
that same, but for some others, you knock them off the mountaintop into the valley and they're wondering, what am I going to do? Situations cannot dictate faith. I have it or I don't. Simple as that. Either he can or he can't. Either he will or he won't. I have to depend upon, y'all getting mighty quiet in here. I have to depend upon him. And whether it's a good day or a bad day does not determine my level of faith. It's called relationship. I think about it in terms of marriage because that's the way the Lord. I love Donna today. I loved her yesterday. I will love her tomorrow. I'm not sitting here wondering if I'm going to love her tomorrow. I'm not even sitting here wondering if I'm going to love her tomorrow if she gets up on the wrong side of the bed. No, I'm just going to love her if it's a good day or if it's a bad day. Of course, she gets up on the wrong side of the bed. That means she's got to crawl over me. Now, we might have a discussion after that. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you gather the, the picture I'm trying to paint here that faith cannot be determined by what's going on? I mean, I, I remember Desert, Desert Storm when that happened. You know, I, I remember the, the, the events of 9-11. Let, let's just go there. The events of 9-11. Atheists, atheists, agnostics, Buddhist, um, Christians, every, every religion was gathered on the courthouse steps in their particular cities, and they were praying. And they were praying that God would intervene. And it didn't matter who that God really was. They were just there saying, Something higher than us has got to take care of this. Situations can't dictate our faith. We've got to believe that he can even when things are wonderful. Because you never know when that is going to happen and everything is no longer wonderful. Okay? I have time to do this. Okay. Acts 4, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. Yeah. Beautiful story in the Bible. Peter and John, remember the silver and gold have a nun. The man was healed, the lame man at the gate, beautifully. Then they drug him in before the, the high priest. You know, and saying, who healed this man? What name did you heal him in? You know, we just crucified this Jesus, and then now you're healing people in his name. We don't want you speaking in that name. I mean, I've always wondered, can you, could they not see a great thing that had been done? I mean, could they not see that? I mean, they even acknowledged it, I think, in chapter 4. 
they said, we, we, we see this great thing that has happened, but we don't want you doing anything in this name. And they chastised them. They, and that's where this picks up. Verse 23, being let go, they went to their own company. In other words, they went back to people of like faith, the church, their church. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Listen to this. And then when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now watch how they pray and what they pray for. They will not pray for God's protection or his deliverance from their adversary, yet they pray for some very key and vital things. Listen. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. In other words, the first part of that, they were just reminiscing history. And these people have, have risen up against you, O God, and they've risen up against Jesus, and they've risen against, you know, all of that. It says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that we may speak thy word. Look, they were being persecuted for their boldness. And they didn't pray that God would shelter them and protect them from the eyes of the government or the eyes of the high priest. They prayed for more boldness. Afraid my humanity may get in the way, so give me more boldness. That it doesn't matter. They can beat me. They can do whatever they want to do to me. Whip me. They can, but give me more boldness that they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. In other words, you give us boldness. And you work through us. And let our hands go forth to heal. And signs and wonders take place. Verse 31, God answered Solomon in 2 Chronicles. But I love the way he answered the church in Acts 4 here. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. God answered their request. Now understand, this is the church. They're already filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember, they were in an upper room, and then it spread from there. And they've all spoke with tongues. They've all been filled with the Spirit of God. But it says they were all filled again. That's what I love about the Holy Ghost. You can never get too much of it. Let me say it like this. You can never get enough of it. 
used to be amazed at people at the altar come down seeking for the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues for 30 minutes. Reach your hand out to congratulate them because I've always been one. Don't tell somebody they got the Holy Ghost. Let them tell me. Well, how do you feel? Well, Brother Bruce, I feel good, but I feel, I just, I feel like I need more. And I'm sitting there thinking, my Lord, man, you spoke in tongues for 30 minutes. How much more do you need? I think it was time for wise counsel right there. Accept what you've received. You should always, 25 years from now, be hungry for more. 30 years from now, 50 years from now, I'm hungry for, I just feel like there's more. And I'm going to tell you, I've been in this all my life. Got the Holy Ghost in 1969. You do the math. I still feel like there's more for me. Their prayers were not selfish, yet they were more in tune into kingdom praying. In other words, what is best for the kingdom? And I think that's where our prayers become more effective. It's what is best for the kingdom. Remember Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. His prayer in that garden was an agonizing prayer. Because scripture records that his sweat was like great drops of blood. I would love to have been there to record the other words that Jesus spoke. We do know that he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. We know he said that. It's recorded. But he agonized before the Lord. But he said, nevertheless... Not my way. Thy will be done. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, that's your prayer. When you're facing life's ultimate challenge, maybe it is your life that is on the line. Yes, Lord, I'd love to be healed. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If this is the end of my journey, let me be ready to step across. But if there are still days ahead of me, let me be healed by the power of your name and you'll receive the glory for it. And there comes a place where you and I pray those prayers. If we can ever take the focus off of ourselves and our needs and pray prayers that are kingdom-minded, we will find our own needs being met possibly before we would even know we had a need. Did you hear what I just said? If we pray kingdom prayers, then he'll watch over us and he'll answer our needs. It's not hard to get prayers answered. What is hard is to live a life that is totally pleasing to God in all ways. And if we're to have favor with him, we must please him. We must please him. And I don't want to end on that note, but it's where my notes ends. My notes end, but it's not that hard to live a life that pleases him. It's just making up your mind that I want to walk the way he walked. Because the way he walked was a good life. 
It was a good life. It was a blessed life. And that's the way I want to live my life. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Thank you for being here. Those of you watching online, thank you for being with us as well. And look, looking forward to what God's going to do in our service on Sunday. Remember the announcements that we made in reference to the giving. Um, January 15th is our cutoff date for anything that is to be applied to 2021. Um, if you still have a best gift offering, let's make sure it's in by this coming weekend, if you can, please. And Michael doesn't even know this. She's the one that told me we were a little over 17. But I think because of a check I've got laying on the counter at the house, not from us, but from one of you, um, came to the house, dropped it off the other day. We're at over 18000 So um, that's, you know, it just keep, that number just keeps <laughs> growing and growing and growing. And, uh, but thank the Lord for it. Uh, it's gonna, we're going to be able to bless Tupelo, Tupelo Children's Mansion. We're going to be able to bless Lighthouse Ranch for Boys. Uh, we're going to be able to bless them. North American Missions, we're going to be able to do some things for them. Uh, I just thank you. I thank you for, for all that you did, and we appreciate it so much. Can we pray together? Father, we just give thanks and we give praise tonight. Thank you for this service. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the word that you allowed us to deliver, and thank you for the word that we allowed to settle in our hearts tonight. And I pray your blessings upon this people, upon those that are listening online. I bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus. May peace and healing and strength abide in homes and abide here in this room. We ask it. May we take it with us as we leave this place and be able to touch the lives of others. We give thanks and we give praise to you tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you for being here tonight.